Hello, you're listening to Drawn to the Flame, a podcast for fans of Arkham Horror, the card game. I'm your host, Frank, and today I'm joined by... It's me, Peter. Hello, Frank. Hi, Peter. Was that an intentionally long delay, or...? It wasn't. No, I was distracted by something else, so that was very unprofessional. I apologise, Frank. That's quite right, yeah. Yes, I'm good, I'm good. How are you? Yes, I'm really well as well, really well. It's really nice to be recording again. It's a sort of quiet, sunny morning here. Uh, What are we talking about today, Frank? Well, we have had quite a busy summer, and things have been a little bit disrupted, and I've done a load of recording while so your, you've your, been... your description of 2020, a little bit disruptive. <laughs> you know me, I'm, I don't go into negative descriptions. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I wanted to take this opportunity, or we wanted to take this opportunity to check in with each other about where we're up to in terms of Arkham and the podcast, update people on a few different things we've been up to or are planning to do. Sometimes quite nice to look ahead and make some plans. And then we've also, coming up at the end of the episode, got a giveaway. So if you are not so interested in what we're up to but want to get your hands on some goodies, listen in and get involved in that giveaway. Yeah, yeah, that's that's pretty exciting. Yeah, really exciting. Yeah, it, it, it's a weird one. It's been, a, it's been an odd few months. On the one hand, we've not been able to play much Arkham mm, yeah. in person anyway. Yeah. Uh, we, we'll, talk about that kind of stuff in a bit but also we've we've run a good number of of events anyway and i think we're going to talk about those as well we've been involved in this in a good number of events anyway yeah yeah funnily enough when i did a little a very brief report for asmodee uk about the uk games expo which was one of the events we did they just wanted to know things like number of people who participated the immediate reaction i got back was wow that's good for an online event and i think there was that real feeling of going into a bit of a black hole for want of a better world where you know the people these people who work at a games company don't actually know what numbers to expect so it's really surprising when they go wow actually people are really passionate about Arkham and will turn up to play the blob even when it means they're just playing at home and signing onto their computer like people will still get involved and I thought yeah I thought that was really a good sign for the game I guess and the community. No, couldn't agree more. Yeah, and it it went it went pretty well. I know other people have run online blobs before. Mm. It was our first time doing it. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I'd had a really good time. So did I. So did I. Like huge shout out first and foremost to I think first has to go to Daniel Zorba who created the online blob sheet because it's so clean and pretty straightforward to use, even from the side of being a host and running the game. It's really great to use and a lot of tools at your fingertips which no is great. absolutely we had very few problems with folks just yeah. rocking up and using it so yeah that it's that's essential and so easy to use and then i think the the follow-up shout outs for me are thanks obviously to asmodee for basically saying to us yeah go for it do another event and letting us do what we wanted which i think is it's really nice to see the trust from them i think and particularly for a game that doesn't have a competitive scene, just allowing us to kind of get on and throw things is really good. Throw things in terms of host events, not literally throw things. (laughs) And then the final thank you has got to be to all the people who thought, yeah, I'll give that a punt. Because this is different, weird, strange times where you might think, you know what, I'm not playing much board games anymore because I'm not meeting any of my friends. And the appeal of playing the blob when you're at home alone on your kitchen table and just buy a computer is very different from the appeal of turning up to join 30, 50, 80 people face-to-face for a sort of mass event. So for those people who 
participated and made it as fun as it was and posted in the chat and kind of got involved. Thank you so much. It was really cool. Really cool. Have you got any uh, any particular highlights you want to share from those events? Yeah, there were there were a load of fun things that happened. The first thing that I I remember standing out was people posting in chat the weaknesses that were being eaten by the blob. I think the first was a Tommy player said, the blob's <laughs> yeah. just eaten rookie mistake. Rookie mistake. <laughs> yeah. <No. laughs> yeah, that was good. That was good. I think you should probably mention SEAL team. Oh, yes. Yeah, there was another team in the first blob, uh, SEAL team, who it was an Akachi deck that used SEAL of the Seventh Sign. Yeah. And other other various bits of sealing apparatus to tactically seal tokens away to reduce the impact of reality acid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, super so, nice. So the, the blob could only eat particular things. And Akachi had this huge like array of cards and, and sealing things and everything like that. But then the, the blob devoured all the charges and secrets of cards. <laughs> so, so everything just quit. <laughs> went jumped back in the bag everywhere anyway yeah that and that's the really important thing for that is devouring all secrets and charges is two numeric tokens that's the combination in the little guide so they'd sealed a lot of the special tokens knowing that they're the worst things that can happen and the blob found a way to find the like the weak point in the seal team's plan and and snipe that i thought that was just terrific yeah, yeah. The, the more they they, um, they they sealed away, the more likely they were to devour all the charges. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was brilliant. Uh, th- then the other thing I wanted to mention was the Sunday blob team, not for a specific thing, but for the general efficiency. Do you remember how yeah, powerful yeah. they were? It was they absolutely blasted through it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they were just. We were like, oh, it'll be the Sunday crowd. They're definitely more chilled out. There was a lot more chat in the chat, I think. Everyone was sort of, you're like, oh, yeah. It's, it, we were saying, joking to each other, like, oh, the Sunday group, you know, if this was at the expo, they'd be a bit hungover, blah, 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 blah. And then they just systematically took the blob, blob apart. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No prisoners. We were watching the damage tick up. And it was just like, hang on, have they done 50% of the damage they need to do to the blob in one pass. Like, Yeah, I know. <laughs> what's going on? There was like a Leo with a flamethrower and various other things. Yeah, it was amazing. Really cool. So that was really great as well. And then we also, we did a stream at the UK Games Expo, just to acknowledge that as well. Just, we were sort of on one of the three main stages, which was really cool. At, yeah, In yeah. the middle of the day. So we had some 250 viewers or something. It was it was nerve wracking that, uh, especially because there was a few uh, technical glitches just early on. Because yeah. of the way we were doing it, you were streaming to me basically, and then I was streaming back, yeah, uh, back to Twitch. And yeah, at one point I thought I was going to have to do the rest of the hour by myself. My computer just settled into not doing anything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it it felt the nerves. It had stage fright. So, yeah. <laughs> I think I think we handled it pretty well. And I think what I'll do is I'll post the link to that in the description for this because we haven't posted that as an episode. We thought because it was a live thing and we're interacting with the chat a little bit and we've got various cards that we announced there. So we're, we're posting the images of those. What I'll do is I'll post the link to that in the description of this. So if you want to go and check out our Twitch, I guess it's a presentation. I was going to say panel, but we're the only two on it. Uh, you know, our, our, our Twitch stream that will be in the in the description here as well. 
The other thing we've done this summer, which is worth mentioning, was we took part in FarcomCon, which was run by the Mythos Busters over in the States and was their Gen Con replacement at distance convention over four days, which we're just really honoured to take part in that. That was a really cool community-run convention. Loads of different content creators involved, loads of different creativity and scenarios and things like that. It was our first time streaming us playing together as well, which was another first for the cast. We did all right, right? (laughs) Yeah, it was good fun. It was really good fun. And we got some positive feedback as well. Yeah. People saying we seem to be having... um, Having a good laugh. We seem to be doing our classic thing of failing forward. So yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It worked, it worked it out well. It worked out a lot brand. better than the first time we played it, right? <laughs> yes, it did. It very much did. And I suppose on that note, the Mythos Busters have said that they're planning to do an Arkham Knights US replacement called Farkham Knights. And that's coming up in October, at the end of October, the 22nd to the 25th, I believe the dates are. Although, <laughs> as soon as I say that, I'm just remembering all the efforts I made to announce the Farkham dates and getting them completely wrong as well. I think it's that weekend. <laughs> Pretty sure it's that weekend. The better thing to do is to go and look online yourself and find details, although they've not been announced yet. So as of yet, we don't know what we're doing, if we're doing anything to help out. Maybe we're not doing anything, but it's still worth acknowledging that they're doing some kind of a replacement event for Arkham Knights US. Because I think I think in the American scene, you know, Gen Con and Arkham Knights are the two big Arkham-related things over the year. So it's good that they're doing something to cover for that. Moving a little bit more specifically into Arkham-related stuff, I thought it might be worth us touching on what we've been playing or are planning to play. And I'm leaving that as a sort of two-pronged one because I know that you've just been away, so I haven't played very much recently yeah and honestly the, the only real serious outcome i've played is the both the think on your feet mm. and the, the stuff we've done at conventions yeah the think on your feet is good because it, it's it's nice to get a bit into the the solo arcoming yes um, yeah. but i still have a big love for the, the multiplayer stuff and that's although there is various ways of doing that uh remotely it just doesn't have it's not quite the same experience mm. for me yeah yeah so I've got a couple of campaigns that are up in the air at the moment I'd like to press on with. Um, I've got one or two scenarios left in uh, Circle Undone. I've got a deck planned for uh, another campaign. (laughs) (laughs) Campaign TBC, yeah. Yeah, and uh, there's Return to Forgotten Age to be cracking on with as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so yeah, th- there's quite a few things I'd like I'd like to dive back into. Yeah, just to peel back the curtain, your your multiplayer play experience is normally a group of two or three, is that right? And normally in say a pub or a public place. That's right. Yeah, either at a friend's house, which we can't do because it's three households. Yeah, and the new limit in Scotland is for two yeah. households, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, either at a friend's house or, or at the pub. Yeah. Um, so that makes it much harder to, to get those larger groups. We've done four four player campaigns, done some two player campaigns and three player campaigns as well. Yeah, yeah. So you're you're kind of the classic Arkham player where the pandemic really hits you where it hurts. Not not to trivialise the pandemic, obviously, but just yeah. the way that you play is and to com- top it all off. Yeah, can't play Arkham <laughs> completely shut down. Exactly. In the way that a solo player is not affected 
Yeah, yeah, and, and and what I've done is I've tended to squeeze in some standalone games or standalone scenarios every every few weeks mm-hmm. uh, with a couple of friends. Did a hotel a few weeks ago. In fact, got another another playthrough of Hotel planned as well. Nice. Yeah, uh, Murder at the Excelsior to give it its full title, uh, which is just the perfect standalone because of how replayable it is. Yeah, yeah. So I'm glad you mentioned that because, funnily enough, I have been playing some two-handed Arkham. Oh yeah, how's that going? It's going all right. I've been playing Nathaniel and Harvey, and I thought I would play Return to the Night of the Zealot, but then I decided I would take a detour to the Hotel Excelsior and got my behind handed to me, which was really enjoyable. <laughs> yeah, so it's um, it reminded me of how fun the hotel is, and it is a really nice puzzle to take two decks that are supposedly fairly complete, these starter decks, but leap into something like the hotel and go right, how do they handle the challenges here? Because there are enough decent challenges, aren't there? There's a series of different tests early on that you want to be able to do, which Harvey and Nathaniel can manage. And then there's the parlaying, there's clue getting, there's movement, there's some beefy enemies. So there's a lot in there to keep a deck on its toes. Yeah, and you you know, if if you're really te- teching against it, you need to be able to react to whatever the, the two items you get are. Yes, yeah. Precisely. Well, and then the other thing is that some of the items are behind locked doors. Yeah. Not not the card locked door, but at, like locations that are locked. And their agility tests and yeah. the combined agility of Nathaniel and Harvey is a four. <laughs> so suddenly, as well, I was hunting through my deck to find agility icons and thinking, uh oh, this is <laughs> somewhat problematic. Like, how do I bust through an agility three or four? location to get the clues i need that's kind of challenging so it's been it's been really fun um that's some of my recent play i've played one solo run through of return to forgotten age and i really enjoyed it it was really fun it was my first ever double charisma campaign in solo i'm pretty sure it was my double charisma i ran tony with leo lola and delilah i thought let's just commit heavily to this really heavy ally build thing and I also ended up with the new ally from Return to the Forgotten Age in my deck who is really fun like before you even look at her ability a one cost ally with three three soak is pretty awesome Um, yeah so sometimes she was just there as the the third ally just to soak so that it could keep Leo and Lola alive or whatever it is and she was just there as a, a body and then other times she was really useful for explore so yeah, that was really fun as well. And then I've just been trying to find ways of trying out the new starter decks, which I think we might touch on a little bit in this episode. I, I sort of haven't decided how best to tackle the starter decks as a player, and particularly because I normally play solo, and looking at the decks, there are some shortcomings, as people will have heard in my first look around getting clues or protecting themselves. That's why I ended up playing two of the decks two-handed. And then also I've been trying to play the deck nearly complete, but maybe substituting one or two cards. And I don't know if that's... like It feels like a little bit Cheating. of a cheat, but I also feel... <laughs> yeah. yeah, it also feels like, you know, Switchblade and Winnie, I can look at that deck and reliably say I don't have the combat boosts to make Switchblade damage land. So, yeah, you know, that's a, it's weird in that way. Like, why would I keep the <laughs> keep that card in? What, yeah, what do you think about that and about sort of playing them straight out of the box? Do you have any thoughts? Um, yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd be curious to do it just from an academic point of view, I think. Mm-hmm. 
I don't know. I don't know. It, it, it's a weird one. I mean, obviously, the intention is ultimately for all those cards to become part of your collection. And, like, the, the, it's like an ice cube melting, isn't it? The, the, the structure of the, of the, the deck is going to slowly fizzle away as you incorporate those cards in the rest of your deck building. Mm, yeah, that's a nice way of putting it. Yeah, so, so, but I don't think there's anything wrong with using the structure that's there as a bit of a guideline for putting a deck together. Sort of like one of the points of the decks, I guess, is to, to have a strong theme and a, and a strong core competency, mm. which are both good things in in an Arkham deck, right? Yeah, yeah, I think so. And um, maybe it's a nice way of guiding newer players towards deck building that they ha- they end up with a nearly f- polished ar- article but not fully polished. Well, yes. And I thought this because I did a long time ago I made some uh some th- themed uh, core investigator decks. Mm, yeah. That were easy for new players to play. Mm. And part of that because they were all made from it was four decks made from one collection. Mm. Part of that had to involve some compromises. Like there were some mystic cards that would have been great in either Daisy or Agnes. Yes, yeah. But you can't have it. Can't have the cards in both, and you've got, you've got a limited number of copies of unexpected courage to hand around. Yeah. One of the interesting things you could leave space for is for players to make some of those obvious substitutions themselves. Mm. So you, some of your cards were a bit of a compromise choice. Yeah. So they're easy upgrade targets, or they're they're you know. You can swap another card in for that card at some point when you start tweaking with the decks yourself. Yeah, and I think that that's the same thing. You know, I can almost imagine a BuzzFeed style list listicle, <laughs> yeah. uh, which says um, the top ten uh, replacements. Yes, from yeah. the start of decks when you've got a full collection. Yeah, yeah. What are the five top changes you can make to really get this deck purring? Yeah, yeah. I think I think that's really apt. And I think the other thing that's really difficult for us to separate here is position we're in as experienced players compared to the position <laughs> a new player's in. Like, appropriate Speak, speak for yourself. Yeah. <laughs> well, as it, like, not even saying about how good we are at the game, like putting that yeah, on hold yeah, at a point. We have... we have Played a lot. Yeah. And we've been we, around since the start. Yeah, we have four years, coming up on four years of experience of playing the game at least. So we do have all sorts of thoughts and ideas and uh, accumulated knowledge and value judgments around cards that a new player just won't have and maybe giving a new player the opportunity to go you know what this beat cop level two seems really strong <laughs> or whatever it is like yeah for, for for us that that you know if i send you a message saying have you heard about this card beat cop two you're gonna think i'm losing my mind but yeah. for a new player to say that there can be that wry smile from the experienced player who says yeah, you know what, that is quite a strong card. So yeah, if you want to try it out, do. Facilitating that journey where newer players get excited about the cards they want to substitute into their deck seems like a sleeper benefit of some of the Investigator starter decks. But that, I mean, that raises a bigger point of are they good out of the box or not? And are we the people to judge it? And I don't know, that's the other thing that's weird here. I don't know if we are. Not for their primary purpose of new players, we're probably in a good position to judge whether we think the cards are good for our wider collections. but Or or rather, I think I've already made one of the judgments here, which is that I think all of the decks could do with some tweaking to become stronger. And I wouldn't always say that about every deck I run. I'd say this deck is really strong. I'm pretty happy with it. But an example, I was playing Return to the Night of the Zealot yesterday and I lost three times in a row with the same starter deck, the Winnie starter deck. <laughs> right. 
some of it was bad luck. Some of it was bad play. You know, I, I took one of the games I got Rotting Remains twice and so took six horror. <laughs> so you're kind of kind of not really safe at that point. I could learn to pilot better, maybe having a daredevil and anything you can do better ready to beat one of those Rotting Remains checks would have been good. And I also think Return to Night at the Zealot is not necessarily a straightforward scenario and it punishes you by making you discard cards from your hand with willpower checks and that that like hits Winnie twice where it hurts because she can't pass the tests and she likes a big hand so yeah there was stuff going on there but I I had that moment of thinking like wow I'm really bad at this game and then thinking oh I could blame the deck and (laughs) (laughs) you know that that would help the winner's way out (laughs) yeah exactly I suppose some of this is touching on our patrons. If you're not a patron of the cast, don't normally talk too much about what our patrons are up to. But our patrons have been talking quite a lot recently about exactly this question. Are the decks good if you hand them to a new player? Are they too complicated or not? And yeah, do you mind if we just jump into a patron question, actually? We've got a couple yeah, of mailbags. Yeah, no, please do. Do, do you want me, Are you going to ask me? Or yeah, I'll ask, ask you? you. Yeah, I'll okay. ask you. So this is from Chris. Uh, he says, I'm introducing a friend to the game and ended up giving them a Zoe deck to play well, but I'd be interested to hear what you guys think of the starter decks as a jumping off point, given that it's presumably their reason for existence, which is just what we've been talking about. I've not played any of them yet, but their abilities and deck building do seem a little more sophisticated than earlier investigators and strike me as potentially more difficult to teach or pick up and play. Oof, uh, that's a good question. Yeah. So I guess I guess the the, the... At the core of this really is what are we comparing the starter decks to for this purpose? Yeah. I'm sure, well, Chris, I, I know Chris. Chris is a, is a very good player and he's able to build a good deck. Mm-hmm. Other people who are new at the game may may not have the cards, the collection or the experience to, to do that to the yeah. same the same degree. <laughs> uh, might struggle to, to think what you could put in a deck which, which makes it easy for a new player to play. Mm-hmm. The the other thing I guess we could compare it to is the is the core decks the the decks out the starter set yeah and I think they are your personal favourites <laughs> all due respect absolutely howfin yeah. <laughs> and then they're not good they're not good they're full yeah. of cards that don't make sense with the investigator mm. yeah I'm just I mean, we, I'm, I'm waiting for you to say it. old book of law and Roland old book Go of on. law and Roland exactly yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was I, you took the words out of my mouth. <laughs> Yeah, it, it, there's loads of interactions like that. You know, you think about some of the cards that, you know, the green cards that end up in Wendy or the, yeah. the survivor cards Switchblade that end Wendy. up. Yeah. yeah, or the survivor cards that end up in Agnes, you know, that they they just, yeah. it doesn't quite fit together. So I think that there is, the decks are already better than those starter, starter decks, mm. in, in my opinion, for introducing a new player because all of the cards in the deck are pulling in the same direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I I don't think there's anything wrong because this might be a deck that a player plays through a whole campaign with them being having some sophisticated interactions in there because it gives the player a chance to, to learn them. And I think yeah. that's fine, you know. I think like when you start playing with the deck and you don't appreciate some interaction of cards, and then after a few games you spot it and you're like, oh, I could do this. That's really good. I think that that's a positive experience for a new player. And I think it's one that might hook them in and encourage them to do some deck building. Mm. Yeah, I think there's... So there's a gap, isn't there, between feeling like the investigator is too difficult to pilot, going, oh my goodness, I don't even understand what I'm doing. Yeah, and feeling some like... Co- some mad combo deck. Yeah, and then feeling like the deck 
the deck is okay to pilot, but there's a lot of scope for improvement. And, you know, within, I don't think all the starter decks are the same here, because to me, and I'm, again, not a new player, I feel like the idea of, okay, if I fail a test to Stellar, I get another action, feels on the face of it quite straightforward, in the way that maybe the idea of Winnie, if I commit two different cards, I get to draw a card, but should I commit cards or not, could be maybe a harder thing to assess. Maybe, but maybe those aren't that great examples. Nathaniel, similarly, on the one hand, for us as experienced players, we can say, okay, if he does damage through events or fight events, he he gets an extra damage. That seems quite straightforward. But it might be the kind of thing that for a new player, they go, hang on, but how do I know which cards are fight events and not? And maybe they work that out fairly quickly. But yeah, this is where it gets gets tricky to, to weigh yeah. up, I guess. No, I, and, and I agree. I, I agree. Yeah. However, I, I do think all the all the starter decks are at least like competently put together mm. in terms of the cards that are in there. It, you know, it, it's a common bit of advice for new players dipping their toes in some kind of deck building game like this, or you know, Magic or whatever. Net decking, which is obviously uh, off, often sorry said with a, a, a sneer in the voice of the of the speaker. Mm. It's a really good place to start because you eliminate uh, one aspect of learning. As you, as you learn to play the game, mm-hmm. yeah, you, you don't have to make a deck and then also learn to play the game at the same time. You know yeah. you've got a deck that's working at least okay. So yeah. if there's something you're, that's not clicking, it's probably a misunderstanding you've got with the rules of the game, not that you've put in cards that don't gel particularly well together. So yeah, I I think it's fine, even if they're a little bit tricky. If we're in the situation where this this might be the only deck a player has for a whole campaign or for for more than one campaign. I think some scope to kind of learn and master the cards is a good thing. Mm. I think the experience of learning, I've found this card hard to use, I want to replace it, is definitely good. Like that yeah. that card evaluation ability, for sure. I just want to pick up on something in the question as well, um, where Chris said that their abilities in deck building do seem a little more sophisticated. I'm assuming for deck building there, he means deck composition, because their deck building, the actual deck building rules they have, is definitely simpler than anything we've seen before. No off-glass, just zero to five. And the fact that their signatures are even the same colour as as the faction, so you know that all of the good cards in your deck are one colour and you've got two weaknesses, I'd say that that that's definitely the least sophisticated we've seen so far. And I'm fine with that. It's a new new product. I I think your comparison point is the really good one. What are the alternatives for new players? And it might be the the corset starters, as you say, it might be a deck being handed to you by your significant other or your friend who's trying to get you into the game, which might, you know, like, this is where it's always, this is why we still talk about the game, right? There are so many things to evaluate when you introduce someone to the game. One of them is if you handed them a good deck, because if I hand someone a garbage deck and they have a rough time, part of that is my responsibility, (laughs) you know? Yeah, yeah. Like, they've gone, wow, I didn't feel like I could do anything in this deck. But then also there might be another thing where I've handed them a really good deck, but the way it plays is runs counter to what they were expecting. I'll try and think of an example. Like, Like Stellar, actually, the fail style. If you come into this game not expecting to fail, you might find it really weird piloting this Stellar deck that says all of your cards sort of trigger off you going wrong, and you might go, oh, but I don't want to do that. And at which point you're having this weird, you have to sort of embrace the style, don't you? And I was wondering that, to go back to my own play experience, I wondered if I was committing enough cards as Winnie and thinking, 
maybe I'm being too tentative and holding on to some events I want to play later and I should just treat all the cards as basically icons in my hand <laughs> yeah, and yeah. be really aggressive and use that as a way of sort of forward momentum in a way. Just just push, 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 push. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, it's a really good question though, I think. And I think it le- leads us to this point of that we've not really decided yet what more we want to do with the starter decks. There yes. are so many new cards that we definitely want to talk about them more on the cast. And we've discussed a couple of ideas off air, but we're still sort of deciding, I suppose. We want to play more with the cards. Yeah, it, it's it's an odd one because there's you know there is a full cycle's worth of cards there. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's there's five new investigators and, and a full cycle worth of cards. There's obviously no story to talk about because there's no scenarios. Mm. But there's there is quite a lot. There's yeah. a, there's a lot there. There's a lot there. But I know it's a product not everyone has got their hands on straight away and mm. isn't even planning to. Like, yeah. I don't have them all yet. Yeah, so that also kind of then runs counter to. Yeah, what, do we cover it or not, or that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I guess if people have got very strong feelings, they, they can let us know. You know, we've, we've got an email address, we've got a Facebook account. So, you know, mm. people can drop us a message if they've got strong feelings. You know, I, I've said to you, Frank, I'm almost happy to let them let them stew for a bit. Yeah. Put them on the back burner, because there's a lot of other content coming out in the not-too-distant future, right? Yes, yeah. And we want to start winding up to that. Shall we do a little sneak preview of what we have coming up? Yeah, yeah, let's do that. Mm-hmm. I'm really excited to do the lore episode. Mm. Shadow over Innsmouth is, has always been one of my favourite Lovecraft stories. Mm. And we'll get into the reasons for that closer to the time. I think there's still some heavily problematic overturns in that story. Yeah. Um, again, we'll be talking about those when we come to the lore episode. But I think there are some really effective sequences in that. Mm. Yeah. And there's there's almost this element of, of body horror in there as well, with the finding out... Or, or, or knowing you're going to turn into something, mm. which is you know, it, it, it's quite an effective, scary mechanism. I think. Yes. Mechanism, mechanism yeah. the right word. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, I'm looking forward to talking about that, and and, and I like what FFG have done with Insmouth in mm. their in their games and fiction as well. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The fact that they did a whole lore episode with their different Arkham Files designers suggests that it's a an area of the IP that they're in, interested in and talk about, and it's really fleshed out for them as well, which is kind of fascinating. And it's worth noting as well that we... During Both the... have a fear of the open sea. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that too. Um, it's worth noting that we announced some encounter cards from the Innsmouth Conspiracy in our UK Games Expo panel, and we, we did, actually yeah. have more cards to announce coming up. So we are going to do a bit more of an explore into maybe where we think the story's going to go and how the campaign might work mechanically. Not in too much detail, but we're just going to explore that side of the game as well. How how might Innsmouth play? How might it hit you in the chops? That kind of thing. So that's coming up. The, the other thing we've got coming up is that we've played Search for Kadath and A Thousand Shapes of Horror now, as you will have heard, and we've now got the interlude to do so we're going to settle down and record and talk we've actually already settled down and recorded but that's coming out as well so we'll talk about where the decks are at and i suppose it's the midpoint of the campaign so it's a chance to plan ahead and think and see are the decks working (laughs) to commiserate with each other how we're getting on yeah so that should be good i think you mentioned at the start that you've been playing think on your feet and getting involved in true solo i definitely am intrigued about talking more about solo 
as a way of experiencing the game now that you've dipped your toe a bit more fully. Yeah, and honestly, it's 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 the first time I've really been playing solo. Well, I, the last time I played solo was was quite some time ago, mm. um, and I don't think I had as good a grip on the game or as detailed knowledge of things like encounter sets. Yeah, uh, when I did it last time, so I've been able to approach it with your guidance, Frank, uh, a bit more scientifically, um, mm. and and my my play is tightened up a bit. So, yeah, it, I'd be it really helps that you have a deck that's that, yeah. really focused as well, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, I'm all about the focus deck. Yeah, because then you've got this like laser focus on how you want to play, which also then feeds into this focus of like how will this this particular encounter set disrupt what I want to do. It, it works in that really clean way, as opposed to being like, yeah, my deck's kind of generally good and I'll give this a punt, and then getting shocked by the, the, the encounter deck throwing something at you that you can't handle. So yeah, those are things coming up. We've got a couple more questions, and then we're going to announce this giveaway. Yeah, yeah. Uh, do you want to hit me, or should I hit you with this one? I hit you with the last, so you hit me with this one. This one says, uh, good day, Frank and Peter. Uh, what about this? This guy's from. Oh, <laughs> I should I should say this is uh, Jared. Yeah, it's Doobies. Uh, Hi, Doobies. Uh, I have another question I pose for the podcast. When you sit down to play this game, is there something you simply must have to accompany your play experience, like a stiff drink, certain music playing in the background, a comfy chair and good table, or maybe your favourite playmat? And then Jared adds, "Mine is my fully charged phone, Spotify playlist, and my Mega Boom speaker next to me." Nice, nice. It's- Megaboom is a brand name. Other speakers are available. <laughs> Very good. Yeah, I have a Juice Boom speaker, so that's Juice way. Boom. Yeah, doesn't work very well. So do, what do I have? Oh, I have is that a s- Juice as in like J U I C E? Yeah. Wow. Do you think it's a company that started out with juices and then it branched out into USB speakers? The word Juice is a controversial one here because it it in Scotland Juice can refer to any fizzy drink. And it's so pervasive. It was. It was very. It's well. I. I. I that's what I say now. A glass of fizzy juice. <laughs> it's so difficult to swim against the tide on that one. It's, yeah. Uh, it's become part of my vocabulary. Fizzy juice. Do you say yeah. you have to say fizzy though? Well, not necessarily. Like if someone's going to the fridge, they'll say, "Oh, do you want a glass of juice?" And you might get lemonade or or coke or preferably <laughs> iron brew. <laughs> Could be anything. Yeah. Yeah. They hand you a glass of apple juice and you're like, this is not what I signed up for. <laughs> it's a great, there's, a, there's an article in the, the Daily Mash, mm. which is like a British satirical newspaper or parody newspaper. A, a Scottish couple staying at an Airbnb are really excited by the prospect of unlimited juice with breakfast. <laughs> 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 really upset to find out it's orange. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Yeah, so for my play, I normally sit at the same place if I'm at home. I've sometimes put photos up of my play area on Instagram, but I currently have a couple of invocation play mats that I put down. Um, so that sort of makes a play area for me. And I am very fond of putting on the dark jazz and jazz noir playlist on Spotify. It's kind of 1920s and 1930s jazz and... No, not all of it's from that period, but it, it's kind of moody and enjoyable, and I normally put that on. And then it depends. If I'm playing just for fun, I might have nothing else nearby, but if I'm playing a campaign, I'll probably have a campaign log, or my I've got a red book of campaign logs, or maybe I'll have my laptop for the scenario instructions. But otherwise, 
yeah, normally it's just the cards themselves and some music, and I'm good to go. How about you, Peter? A glass well, of juice, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, with with friends, it would be a big glass of juice. Uh, yeah, and then a play mat is an absolute must. Mm, mm. I have countless uh, kind of single player size play mats. So they're what are they like? Eight by forty or twenty two or something. I can't remember what the size they are. Mm. So I've got countless ones of those. Some bought. I've got two invocation ones. I've got many that I've won through various Netrunner things. And I've got two like double-sized ones as well, bought, mm. bought for me for various presents by by, uh, by some friends. And I cannot play without them. Just the idea of cards going onto a table. Particularly uh, if you're playing like at a pub or somewhere else, yeah. Oh, God, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and maybe that's where the habits come from, you know? Mm. Just being able to pick up the cards off the table. Yeah. But but because I'm playing with other people and chatting, we tend not to be listening to music or anything mm-hmm. like that. I don't think. Often at a friend's house, if it's in a if it's in a pub, there's moodier lighting. <laughs> you can't see. Yeah, sitting. In the yeah. yeah. Um. But when I've been doing Think on Your Feet, I tend to record those later in the evening. Mm. When uh when Mrs. United has gone to bed, and it's a nice kind of just wind down in the evening, mm. a bit more gentle, and I usually have a glass of whiskey as I'm doing that. Nice. That's very nice. Yeah, I find I after the <laughs> after way back in the day, 2016's shaking my mug of coffee instead of the chaos mug. Uh, oh. I, I find I don't bring <laughs> drinks near the play area. <laughs> when there's there's an old joke about when you're painting models, it's just a matter of time before either your paintbrush goes in your drink, yeah, or you take a sip out of your paint water. Yeah, yeah. Exactly that. That that was back before I even had a chaos bag, and I had a mug for chaos tokens and a mug for coffee, and I put <laughs> my hand over the top of the mug and shook it. Oh no! And it was full of coffee, and it sort of exploded through my fingers. I was so surprised. I mean, I you know genuinely thought I was shaking the right <laughs> mug. But, yeah. So these things happen to the best of us. Sleeve your cards if you're going to do that. Oh yeah, yeah, God yeah. And we've got another question here as well from Glyn. You're approached by Channel 4 because they're bringing back the Crystal Maze and we, you two, have been chosen to lead a team for an Arkham Files-themed special. Which four investigators do you choose to complete your team? Right, this is a good question. Okay, yes. straight away not Leo because he would demand to be the leader <laughs> and sacrifice <laughs> well, you all do of need us. A leader. Well, well, okay, so... so... I think Crystal Maze needs a you need a, you need a variety of skills, mm-hmm. but I think one of the important things is you need the ability to communicate clearly when you're shouting through a little window. Yes, because the number of times I've, like someone outside has, has just been shouting absolute gibberish through the window, and it's 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 abetted more than it's aided the person yes. actually doing the task. <laughs> so anyone who's doing it, we need to have some uh, some clear communication skills. Uh, and actually, I think Leo might not be bad at that. Shouting orders? Mm-hmm. Come on. Gotta be. Yeah, maybe. Unless he's just... But I feel like he'd just sacrifice everyone. <laughs> he'd be like, keep going, keep going, get me that goddamn crystal. And well, then... yeah, but but also, like, there is an element of that as well. Because you, when you go into the dome at the mm. end, you need the most time, right? Yes. You don't want to be frivolously releasing people, wasting your crystals, because that's time in the dome, gone. Yeah. Okay, but I'm thinking that goal one is get as many crystals as possible, not <laughs> lock as many people as possible in the rooms. Yeah. Anyway, okay, so Leah's maybe on there. I wondered about someone like Silas to do the physical and agile challenges, you know, the high stats. Yeah, kind of yeah, be up, yeah, yeah. up for hard work and competition. 
And then we need a clever investigator. Well, I, Ursula does spring to mind for me. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah Good in the Aztec zone. Yeah, she's fairly athletic, isn't she? Yeah. Yeah. And Relicunta, so she's going to snuffle out those um, crystals. crystals. <laughs> just charge in and just tear it out of whatever little box it's in. Yeah, exactly. She's yeah. basically Laura Croft, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, okay, that's pretty good. Do we need someone with, with smarts as well? Like mega smarts? Yeah. Do we need like a Marie or something like that who's high intellect, high willpower? Maybe, maybe. Yeah. So who have we got? We're doing Silas. Are we doing Leo? Leo is a kind of question mark. Let's do, I, I say we take Leo. Okay, well, let's do Leo as well then. So we've got space for one more. Yeah. Who's who's 4422? Is that Min? That's Min, yeah. She's a good Min. team player. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She, yeah. Well, the thing about, I'll tell you what, Min obviously gets the best out of everyone else, doesn't she? She does, yeah. She's a very good team player in that. Yeah, way. yeah, yeah. When when someone else is in is doing the task, she's going to be able to commit her cards Yeah. with analytical mind inside the room. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. She's probably and a get an communicator as well. I can't believe we hadn't thought of her first. She's, a, she's an absolute must-take. Okay, nice. That's our team then, is it? Yeah. Double That's not our team. team. Yeah, it's a good team. Leo, Ursula, do we don't? Do we want like a Finn to go slippery, Mister Slips? Yeah, or Skids? Yeah, yeah. Um, a Trish. Nah, Trish would be good. Picking locks good. and causing. Maybe we switch switch an Ursula for a Trish. What's your thinking on Trish then? Just that she's like a code Dext- breaker, dexterous, and a spy. Yeah, yeah. You know, code breaking. That there's there's often a yeah. like a riddle task, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. Maybe can we drop Leo? <laughs> yeah, sure. Get rid of Leo. So that would Our be expedition leader is gone. Yeah, that would be Trish, Ursula, Silas, Min. Then yeah, that's what we've team. got. At least a f- four in any skill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's good. Really good. Done. I don't know whether people spotted, but over well um, a couple of weeks ago, by the time you're hearing this, there was a bit of an issue with the RSS feed. For the, for the podcast, mm. uh, and it, we, we dropped in and out. So after much hair-pulling and fiddling, Frank eventually managed to get this working. But what we wanted to do is just to make sure everyone has managed to get themselves working again, mm-hmm. was to do a little competition uh, where we only put the terms in the episode. <laughs> so you have to tune in and listen to it uh, to make sure that your, your whatever podcast app you're using has mm. managed to, to sync up rightly to our, our most recent uh, feed so we'd ask you if you've listened to this don't tell anyone else how to enter <laughs> yeah exactly, encourage yeah. them to listen <laughs> and we're not doing it just to, to inflate our numbers we are actually doing it to check that people are able to download this episode and listen because I, I can test at home that it's working for me but I know some people have had issues with their feeds not updating and things like that so yeah what are we giving away Peter we are giving away some new tokens by very good friends of the show, by the same token. Mm-hmm. By the same token, are constantly putting out... They've got a really quick turnaround time on tokens. Yeah. Um, and this, they're still really nicely designed as well. So they've put together some special Innsmouth conspiracy tokens. Mm-hmm. There, you can get from them a set of flood tokens, which are double-sided for flooded and unflooded, I believe. Partially flooded and fully flooded. Partially flooded and fully flooded. Yeah. And the seven key tokens. Now, these come as cardboard tokens in the Innsmouth Conspiracy Pack. Mm-hmm. So it's just 
you know you can get these and have some nicer versions of the of the components that mm. that come and the flood tokens in particular I'm absolutely in love with they're like a transparent crystal blue uh, with with a lighthouse on it mm, black yeah. and one, on one side and white on the other side yeah they look uh, lovely really really nice really nice and the 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 keys are kind of just baroque keys in various colors which look quite nice now importantly with the keys the keys in Innsmouth are double-sided and one side is a generic uncolored side and then the other side is the color so when you reveal locations it might tell you to put a random key on it and you don't know what color key it is so you might be looking for the red key but you put down a key in and it's you can't tell just by looking at it I'm pretty sure the by the same token tokens are like that as well so you can flip yeah. them all over and they have a a basic side and then on the other side they have all the different colored keys red blue purple yellow etc bro okay uh, and then the other two things uh we've got three prizes so one will be a, a set of their insmith tokens mm-hmm. there will also be i believe they've got a mini investigator box which is a box for your mini investigator cards oh cool yeah, yeah, yeah. i see and a player investigator card box so like a, yes. a death box basically yeah, uh, and this is all like laser cut, engraved uh, acrylic stuff. We've got we we reviewed some of their their player boards years and years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and they're they're really nice. So yeah, those are the three prizes. Uh, obviously, if if you want to look at the rest of their stuff, we'll put a link to their store in the show description. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they've they've sent us these tokens just for us to give away because they're they're awesome, awesome folks. Yeah, so even if you don't win, go and buy some of their stuff. I guess. Mm. So how you enter is very simple this time. You will have listened to this point in the episode. Well done. And you need to send us an email at drawntotheflamepodcast at gmail.com with the name of the investigator that you're thinking you might play blind through the Innsmouth Conspiracy. And that's all we want to know. There's no right or wrong answers here. We're just fascinated to know who people are planning to play. And once you've emailed in with the name of the investigator you want to play blind through the Innsmouth Conspiracy, we will add your name not the investigator's name to a prize draw and we'll be picking three entries at random from that to win this investigator mini card box investigator deck box and the flood and key tokens so there'll be three separate prizes the deadline for this will be end of october yeah it's going to be a a a halloween deadline i think perfect Halloween, and then we'll aim to announce the results at the beginning of November and get it, um, get those prizes sent out. So they should be with people by the middle of November. All being well, great. So yeah, drawn to the flame podcast at gmail.com is the place to email, and yeah, you've got to be in it to win it. So let us know who you're most excited to play blind through the Innsmouth conspiracy. Just one name. You can give us a, a reason why if you want, but just the name is fine, and that will enter you into the competition. So yeah. I think that's everything we've got. Yeah, yeah, it's been a it's been an interesting episode this time. It's a bit more bit more rambling, mm-hmm. but we got more uh, detailed content coming up. Oh, we've given you a flavour for that. It's been it been a, feels like it's been a long summer. <laughs> it's been yes. a long year so far. It really has. It really One has. where it's been a bit harder to play Arkham. Um, so it's an interesting time to be doing this. Mm. So if you want to get in touch with us about anything we've mentioned so far, drawn to the flame podcast at gmail.com 
is the email address. We're also drawn to the flame on Facebook and Twitter. We're also on Patreon if you want to support the cast. We really, really appreciate it. And we're on Design by Humans if you want a Drawn to the Flame mug for spilling coffee over your play area or a Drawn to the Flame t-shirt or there's various other things there as well. Peter, how can people get in touch with you? I am United everywhere. That's U-N-I-T-L-E-D. So I'm on Twitter and Discord and Reddit and places and Instagram as d.unitled. Uh, so yeah, say hi. How about you, Frank? I'm around the place as FB or FEB or Zooey Glass or Zozo or things like that. So yeah, likewise, come say hello, of course. Thanks very much for listening. Thank you. It was then that I saw the tumble-down fire station on my left, and noticed the red-faced, bushy-bearded, watery-eyed old man in nondescript rags who sat on a bench in front of it talking with a pair of unkempt, but not abnormal-looking firemen. This, of course, must be Bob Vosper, the half-crazed, licorice nonagenarian whose tales of old Innsmouth and its shadow were so hideous and incredible. Licorice. Can I, can I, can yeah. I, can I, can I say, it's, it's incredible, he uses... Red-faced, bushy-bearded, and watery-eyed and old to describe the man, but then says the rags are nondescript. <laughs> He's used up all his description on the man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> good. Yeah. And n- not abnormal-looking. I mean, come on. Yeah. As Edward Boardman watched, choked by a sudden rise in the fishy odour after a short abatement, He saw a band of uncouth, crouching shapes loping and shambling in the same direction. Two of the figures he glimpsed were in voluminous robes, and one wore a peaked diadem which glistened whitely in the moonlight. The gait of this figure was so odd that it sent a chill through Edward, for it seemed the creature was almost hopping. Dun-dun-dun. I love it. Just wait for this bus. Is it um, Joe Sargent? (laughs) Very good.